head hit the shot from half court. MVP of all sports, coach put me in the game. You know I'm the truth born to feel bad. Competition, know the deal, coach put me in the game. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Stalian English Show featuring Coach Kurtz. I'm your man once again, Coach English. I'm here with Coach Staley and Coach Kurtz, um, bringing you another great show from three coaches, um, uh, perspective, trying to do the best that we can to give you our opinions on uh, everything current, past, present, um, debating, uh, just whatever we can to help. Uh, help you get through um, these topics that we have. Uh, first off, as always, we'll get an update with everybody. So, Josh, how's life treating you? How's it been? Been about two weeks since we did a show. So, how's everything going? Uh, man, as always, God is good. Um, it's been a very eventful last two weeks. I've been a, a road warrior, um, coaching travel basketball and trying to keep my house in order and stay married. I've been to Kentucky. Um, for I was in Kentucky for about eight days from like July 5th to July 13th. Got back from Kentucky, was home for a couple of days. Now I'm in, um, right now I am in um, sunny and beautiful Myrtle Beach with my son's travel team. I'm fortunate enough to coach his team. So we're here for their national tournament. And when I get home, we'll be going to Atlanta again for the young ladies that I coach with with that travel team. So it's just been um, burning the road up, man, just getting those miles in. And I forgot to mention that I also went to um, Tennessee for a wedding, for a family member's wedding. Um, the the in, in between all of that, um, even though the wedding I'm waiting for is my brother Micah's on the, um, July 27th. Yeah. So, so excited about that, but you know, all is well, man, just, just, just moving. Thankful to God that I'm able to move, able to um, do things and, you know, just going from there. What about you, Mike? How things going with you, Papa? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you basically just on the road uh, every weekend. Obviously you're going, you're doing a lot for, um, with, with, with coaching and all your, well, affiliations with all your AAU teams. I mean, this has been obviously extremely busy summer for me took a new job moved to a new city and and getting married so it's an awesome summer but extremely busy i uh i mean i've been gone every uh pretty much every weekend this summer i had uh had my bachelor party in miami two weekends ago then last weekend was in las vegas uh for nba summer league that leaving tomorrow to head up to new york to to see my family for a little pre-wedding uh, celebration with me and my beautiful fiance Whitney, and then uh, and then it's on next week. The wedding is next Friday, so it's 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 here and it's exciting. But uh, it's a, it's been a fast fast summer, but it's awesome summer for sure. Let's Big go. And how are things with you, Coachy? Man, uh, being I I, I kind of took a page out of the Micah Kurtz book. Been a road warrior as well, um, dealing with AAU since uh, the live period has started, um, and going to be a road warrior for the next two weeks with the uh, South Carolina High School League's uh, coaches clinic, which starts on Sunday. I'll be in at Greensboro on Friday to watch uh, one of my boys, Trey Hannibal, uh, play. Then I'll be down in Atlanta to watch uh, Cesar who's with uh, Upward Stars, and A.J. Cuffey, who's with Team South Carolina. I'll be down there to watch them play. Then Sunday, I'll be at the coach's clinic. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, I'm sorry, leave to go back to Orlando um, to go see the uh, Gold Super Showcase with Upward Stars Southeast. And then my vacation starts on the 30th. I'll be taking a trip to uh, the great state of, uh, the, well, city. I won't say state because state is set for, like, Buffalo and stuff like that. But you know, uh, the great state, the great city of New York City uh, to enjoy a little one-week vacation 
um, and kick my feet up and uh, just enjoy being home. So um, it's been good, man. It's, it's been really, really good. So, you know, we are, um, I'm just trying to do my part to uh, uh, keep the gas companies in business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, That's good. Uh, but, you know, a new segment we have for you guys is, is going to be the current events. It's probably going to be the first couple of minutes of every show. We're going to go over current sports events, uh, current politics, whatever it is we feel we need to cover that's important to you and us. Um, first, we're going to start with free agency. Um, there's been a couple of moves we saw coming, a couple of them we didn't see coming. Um, of the moves that you've seen, Josh, so far, have any surprised you to the point that says this team went from a non-contender to a contender? Now, nah, this has been a um, a very quiet um, summer as far as free agency. I mean, everyone knows LeBron made the big splash by going to um, Los Angeles with the Lakers, but I don't think that we were surprised. Like, everyone kind of felt that LeBron was going to go to L.A. Um, it leaked out that he was looking for schools for his kids. And I'm actually very excited that he was gone to L.A. If I had to pick a choice on uh, pick pick a, a surprise, I would say I'm surprised that um, Boogie Cousins actually went, um, DeMarcus Cousins actually went to the Golden State Warriors. Even though he's coming back off of an injury, a Boogie Cousins at 80% is still a pretty good piece to be adding to uh, what what Golden State has to offer. Worst case scenario, he he could play the role of um, West that they had there, which I think he's um, younger and still has a little bit more gas in the tank than West. But I was kind of su- um, surprised by that. Believe it or not, I'm not surprised that um, the 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 Spurs and the Raptors made the trade for DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard, I think it's a win-win for the Spurs because you get DeMar DeRozan, who's still under contract. It is a gamble for Toronto. Um, They're taking the page out of the OKC Thunder book on what they did for Paul George and got him to sign an extension. But I think it is a gamble for Toronto, even with Kawhi um, openly saying that he wants to go play in Los Angeles, not necessarily the Lakers, but he wants to go to his home state, his um, home area, hometown, and play in L.A. But other than that, you know, free agency hasn't really – next summer would probably be a really big splash, but I'm actually excited to see what the um, greatest player in basketball right um, today is going to do in Los Angeles. I think they will be a lot better than what people expect, and my prediction is for them to win at least 50-plus games this year. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Josh. On that move, and I'll ask you too, Micah. If you're Toronto, do you make that move? I think you are. Like knowing that, like you've given up, you've given up uh, somebody who you have under contract in DeMar DeRozan. And not only that, but you send him to probably one of the best coaches, one of the best coaches ever in the league. And if anybody's going to know how to utilize DeMar DeRozan, it's going to be him. Uh, it's going to be Greg Popovich. So if I'm Toronto, knowingly, no, I know that this man said, I want to be in L.A., am I taking that chance by giving up that type of asset for somebody that I'm not going to get a big return on later down the line? Well, I think I think that, Magic Johnson is a lot smarter than what people give him credit for. I mean, he's a borderline genius because I think he's made a stance on not mortgaging his whole team, all of his young parts, to get Kawhi, which I think no, 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 no. no, no what I'm saying, which I think is that was smart, which I think is brilliant. But what so so what the Spurs did was, you know, Toronto. If I to answer your question, if I was if I was Toronto, no. Why I wouldn't have gave them Kawhi is because um, – why I wouldn't have um, gave them DeMar DeRozan is because DeMar DeRozan actually wanted to be in Toronto. And though Toronto, the, like last year, they had the best record in the East. Yeah, they got beat by Cleveland, but a lot of people got beat by Cleveland and LeBron James in the playoffs. Yeah. LeBron James is gone. Now I'm staring at – I'm not staring at Philadelphia – 
Cleveland and Boston. I'm just staring at Boston and and Philadelphia. Yeah, the Wizards, I think, will keep their head above water and still be solid. If they could be really good, if they get their internal problems together. But I think I think I keep I think I keep DeMar DeRozan because he actually wants to be there. And yeah. I know they say I, 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 I think there's more going on behind the scenes that, that we don't know with DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I read, like, yeah, he, he, I mean, he came out and said all this, like, he's he's played his whole career in Toronto and and they say, hey, the, the team should be loyal to me. But I've read also that he had – they had closed door meetings with him in December about him being happy or the team being unhappy with, with something about him. And then his, in his really his last meaningful game in Toronto game three versus the Cavs, he, he scored what like single digit points and was sat on the bench the entire second half. So, I mean, you don't do that with somebody that is that caliber player unless there's something going on behind the scenes. So my thoughts with it was DeMar DeRozan is how old? I mean, late 30s. I mean, late 20s. Late 20s, right? Uh, he's got three years left on his deal, which is paying him like $27 million a year. So I think there was some issues with management and DeRozan behind the scenes. And management was like, hey, this isn't working out. We got three years. DeMar DeRozan is not taking us over the top. He couldn't get us past the Cavs. Yeah, LeBron's gone now. Is our team right now, is our Toronto team right now better than the Boston Celtics? Definitely not better than the Boston Celtics. Possibly, possibly better than the 76ers. But is our team better to get us over the top? No. DeMar DeRozan, we're having some issues with him. We got three years, 27 mil a year on his contract. If we can get Kawhi Leonard and possibly get over the top, beat the Celtics, get to the NBA Finals, possibly the Drake factor and everything, maybe everybody that talks about Toronto is a great city to to play in. Obviously, the cold sucks but it's a great international city, possibly we can convince Kawhi to stay. If it does not work out, if it comes January and this is not working out, we can trade Kawhi this same year and get something for him. That's my thinking on what the Raptors were thinking. And so when I look at it like that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad a, of a move for the Raptors where obviously – DeMar DeRozan was is a great player. He gave his whole career to the Raptors. But there's if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, it's unquestionable that Kawhi Leonard is a better player than DeMar DeRozan that can help them get one step over the top and go from the Eastern Conference Finals to the NBA Finals. I mean, so that's my thoughts. I mean, I think it's a riskier move for the Spurs because – He's blatantly said, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't understand where, where, how DeMar DeRozan makes the Spurs better and they got him for three years. I think they just wanted, I just think by Kawhi expressing that he wanted out of there, the Spurs was looking for the best deal to get him out of there without making a team in the West better also. They didn't want to make someone in the West better. But I understand not making a team in the West better, but like, you can't compete. You're you're the you're the fourth best team at best right now. So it's not like you're competing for an NBA finals. Like you're the fourth best team in your conference right now. And so if you can get a better deal from the Lakers with young players and assets, I mean you need to make it and look at the long term. I thought the Lakers well the Lakers lowballed them. The Lakers well, I won't say lowball, but the Lakers weren't going to give them all of their great assets. I think there's a plot twist. I think that the Lakers are going to pursue Toronto for a trade now and maybe give more because it looks like 
Oh, I 100% It looks agree. like Toronto is it, – it, it's Toronto's like this. They're right on the edge. They're like, do we blow this thing up and start over? Because like you said exactly. – or, 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 or do we still just try to um, compete just to make the playoffs in the East? I, well, I agree with you 100% right there because that's what – I think that's what they're looking at. Like, hey, if Kawhi works, if this thing works – and things are clicking, and we can make the NBA Finals, everything's rolling, maybe Kawhi sticks around. If it comes December, January, and things are not clicking, we're going to make a deal and flip Kawhi. And with DeRozan, they were sitting there with three years, $85 million. Like So like you said, if they if they can flip Kawhi, if things don't work out and they flip Kawhi for some young players, some draft picks, yeah, now they're blowing this whole thing up, starting back from scratch. But they also, but they have assets to 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 build. Something. I think, and I know we got to get off the current event, but I think Toronto may blow it up. I think they had their chance, and 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 when they didn't get it done, yeah. it's not because like you, they're nowhere. They they're not better than Boston. A healthy a healthy Boston can arguably win the NBA championship with the level of how they play, how they can switch on everything, how their um, coach does a phenomenal job. And I just don't see Toronto being able to win a championship with one of their lead players is a six-foot guard who is best, who's getting older and his best part of his game is getting to the rack. Um, yeah, you know, so he didn't quite develop at that, that Kyle Lowry has never really developed that clean jump shot, that clean, pure jump shot so you know it's easy to defend him i know that sounds crazy but his strength and when he he came into his prime getting to the rack he was a tough hard-nosed guard so i think toronto was probably like you said mike i agree with you they're gonna flirt to see if this thing with Kawhi is going to work and see if they can get to a finals they're going to flirt with it but i think they're going to go i i believe they're going to eventually abandon ship and blow things up because I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're better than Boston if Boston is healthy. And I argue, I don't, I think they have their um, fair share of problems with Philly, with Philadelphia. Because I think that Philly is going to come into their own, and um, I think, I think that that Ben Simmons is about to go from a star to a superstar next season. Well. Uh, I'll tell you, I agree. I agree with you there. Let me say one thing about what uh, the original question, Coach English, with the uh, with most uh, most surprising, most interesting uh, free agent uh, moves this offseason. Um, I agree with you, Coach Daly, that it was not the most uh, not the most significant offseason. I mean, obviously, it was awesome seeing LeBron go to LA, but it's like. Golden State won the championship. Golden State was the favorite going into the offseason. And Golden State got better. <laughs> Nobody else really got better. No, right. The, the Rockets say. got worse. Uh, obviously, the Cavs got worse. The Spurs and Raptors, who knows what happened. The Celtics and Sixers didn't do anything. But the most interesting one to me was Paul George re-signing with OKC. I did not see that. I thought it was... A lot. Yeah, Paul George going to LA, and so, so I think I would I like with what OKC just did with that trade uh, with Melo, where they got Schroeder, um, they got some assets. I mean, I, I I like I like OKC as a dark horse just because I love how competitive uh, Russell Westbrook is, and I'd love to see them put some things together. I think they're the only team that got better. I. I think they're. I think the Rockets got worse. I mean, I like OKC as at least the number two, the number two best team in in the West. I do right think now. the Rockets got worse. They gave up too many of their um. What they let too many of their two way guys go. I think the Rockets got worse, and I do think. I mean, the West just keeps getting tougher and tougher. You know, from top to bottom. I think you know, this is, Paul George. I wasn't surprised that he stayed. I kind of felt. Once he didn't just jump out there and go ahead, go ahead and say he was going to go to L.A., I kind of felt he was going to actually stay in OKC because um, Paul George isn't 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 the type of guy that wants to be on the front line. He he wants to be that 
that guy, he, he's okay with being Robin. He's okay with being Robin. And I think he's okay with being Robin to, to, to Russell, Russell Westbrook. And I think, like you said, I think OKC got better and I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah. And, uh, and also, you know, uh, in, in the, uh, irrelevant news, um, uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Hawks today and just to be released. So uh, that's a move in case nobody knew it was coming. But LeBron James signed a four-year, $154 million deal. I like the pieces that OKC got with that trade. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely got yeah, that. They, I they, think got younger, they got younger and faster at their backup point guard. Even though Raymond Felton was doing a tremendous job, I think Schroeder is is is, is – can be a little oh, bit yeah. better than Raymond right up. now. So I think he's a definite upgrade. Yeah. So so they and they got some assets to trade now. So I think I think they got better. Like OKC's OKC GM GM does a, a freaking tremendous job. But yeah, Co- Coach um, E, what's that? What's that? Um, it's it's something else you wanted yeah, to bring no. up. What's that other topic? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, briefly. Um, uh, LeBron James got a hundred and fifty-four million dollar deal. Four years, hundred fifty-four. Um. Paul George resigned four years, $137 million. And Chris Paul opted out only to re-up and get four years, $160 million deal. To that, Asia Wilson tweeted on the day that LeBron James uh, signed his deal, $154 million. Dot, 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 dot. Must be nice. We over here looking for a million. But Lord, let me get back in my lane. And I guess some people, you know, and some people made uh, responded to her tweet. And then she sent out a second tweet that said, we get less than 30% of the revenue in the WNBA versus the guys that get 50%. What are y'all thoughts on what Asia is saying here? Um, Man, well, I'll, I'll say her second point, she has some validity where they should get the same amount of revenue, but they, whoever their players' union reps are, and what their union is, in their next in their next collective bargaining agreement, that's that needs to be changed. And they, if if they if they want to get fifty percent of the revenue like the guys do, they need to make that a a point in their CBA agreement. And if the the WNBA owners and management doesn't agree. They need to be ready to 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 have a lockout because I completely agree. They should have the same revenue split as the guys. But um, it all comes down to the revenue you bring in is where your salary comes from. The guys have gigantic TV deals. They play an 82-game season. They have 20 30,000 fans at every game and so they get that so so their portion of that money that pot is that 50% of that revenue that they bring in where I am all for females getting paid the same as males it is also a business where you're going to get paid a percentage of the revenue you bring in the females don't have a TV deal like the guys, not, nowhere near the same TV deal the guys have. They don't, they don't play, they don't uh, have as many fans as the guys, so they don't bring in as much revenue as the guys. And last, they don't play as much as many games as the guys. So there's no pot to split like it is for the guys. So there's no way right now the females can make anywhere near the guys, and that has nothing to do with with equality of males versus females that has to do with basic business principles of you get a portion of the revenue now like you said in her second point i agree with her second point that they should get the same revenue split but obviously whatever whenever they made their cba agreement that they didn't negotiate that so in their next cba agreement they need if that's what they need to get that so if they can get their their revenue split up to the guys, then that is in essence equality. They're getting the same revenue split. 
but they're still not going to be making anywhere near the same amount of the guys. And, um, and I mean, I hear uh, we they talk a lot about how NBA players and and pro hockey players and obviously pro baseball players make so much more than pro football players. And that hey, that's not right. That's not right. Pro football players should be making as much. But in essence, pro football does not bring in as much revenue as far as baseball uh, baseball players play 162 games where even if it's only 20,000 fans per game per 81 home games, that equals a lot more than 80,000 fans for eight games. So the revenue different is different. So that's why the baseball players are making more than the football players. That's why the basketball players are making more than the football players. So it all comes down to how much revenue your sport produces and then whatever the split is. So, I mean, I agree with I agree with her point that they should get the same percentage split. But even if they got the same percentage split, it would be absolute. Their their, their salaries would still be a <coughs> fraction of what the guys make. Yeah. I, yeah first and I, foremost, first of I know Asia. I know Asia personally, and I think she's a, a phenomenal young lady. Obviously, she's a great basketball player. But one of the reasons why I respect I've respected Asia so much is because of who she was off the court. She was always a great person. And I think what she said in essence got kind of taken out of context because she ended it with, you know, hey, let me stay in my lane. Cause I think she understands the overall picture. But in the same breath, what she's saying in essence is something that has been going on in, in, in especially in the, in the sports arena as far as women's basketball and, 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 and men's basketball for years, you know, and it's not just a professional thing. It's a high school thing. You know, at most high schools, the girls play before the boys, the bleachers, unless it's just an unbelievably big time rival game. Most of the, the most of the fans start to come after the girls game has already started, you know? So it's like, it's one of those things. No one wants to really talk about because, you know, you don't want to offend anyone, but it's something that needs to be addressed. But like you said, Mike, the crux of the matter is going to come down to this, the revenue that you produce. When I, I, I've been on both sides of the fence, so I stand strong for female sports, especially female basketball. I'm still coaching female travel basketball, so I stand strong on both sides of the fence. But what happens is when you cut the WNBA games on, the arenas are never full. Correct me if I'm wrong. And 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 if the if the arenas aren't full, that means the revenue isn't going to be this. You you're not producing the most revenue that you can possibly produce. Um. And how and how many game how many games does WNBA? Yeah, play? what are they on? Like a, a a little a little over thirty games. You know, thirty something. Right. So they aren't they aren't playing the same amount of games so the revenue just it's just that's just basic math simple logic that the revenue isn't going to be as high now if the i do believe i know i know the hard work the, the, the men don't work harder than the women they don't put in more time than the women so do they deserve that revenue i think they do but it's ultimately going to come down to the revenue that they could produce so if we want these women to get more revenue we have to start selling out these arenas you know, that's where it's going to start. The WNBA has been around for a while and it and it shows it has staying power. It isn't going anywhere. But in order for that revenue to increase, the arenas are going to have to be sold out, which is going to promote them to get better TV deals because the yeah. buzz is going to be higher. And then those contracts will increase. But I do believe like Candace Parker's skill set-wise, pound for pound, is probably better than 80% of the guys in the NBA. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, y'all might guys might be able to dunk and do some more athletic things, but pure skill set-wise, she's probably better than 80% of the guys, if not 90% of the guys in the NBA as far as skill set-wise. But right now, from an entertainment perspective, that's what the buzz is coming from. God, like, like, like they want to see the athleticism. They want to see the above the rim. I just did, I just did a, um, when we were in Kentucky, it was crazy. Like 
I've coached high school boys for a while. I've coached high school girls. When we were in Kentucky on the um, circuit, on the live period, every team, every team we played against could flat out shoot the ball. It would be, it could be two or three nights in a row where I could play boys basketball and we might run into one shooter, you know? So, yeah. so the skill set is extremely high because like they can't dunk. They don't have um, some of the athletic um, gifts. I won't say they are athletic. I've seen some exceptionally athletic girls. I don't want you to take this out of context what I'm saying, but the above the rim element just brings a different type of excitement. And that's why people feel they need to go to the game and, see these amazing plays like the Zion, what Zion does, what LeBron does, what, you know, what those guys are still doing. So it brings a, a so-called of excitement. But the crux of the matter is what Micah said. He killed it in the beginning. In order for their revenue to increase, in order for their salaries to increase, the revenue production is going to have to go up first. And I do believe it's no, the people in the NBA, the higher-ups in the NBA, will have no problem with increasing that revenue. They will have no yeah. problem at all. But until then, we're not. Do they deserve it by far? And I'm so glad Asia said that. Like I said, she's a stand-up young woman. I love her. Um, like I said, I know her mom. I know her dad. She come, I know her brother. That She has a great family, great household. And I'm actually very excited that someone from South Carolina spoke up and said that. You know, I'm excited yeah. that she did that. And and she's right. They 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 should have more rev um higher salaries, but it it's it's and the reason why this season isn't at long isn't as as long is because of revenue. If they were producing, it's just like selling shirts. You're going to put more shirts in the store and and, and increase supply and demand, increase the um shirts cost because of the supply and demand factor. Well, if if there was a higher demand, they will raise the ticket price and lift and, and make the season longer. But until then, it's going to be extremely hard to um, win that battle, even though the women deserve it because they are out there grinding. They're getting it done. And I've, and I've had tons of girls work their butts off way harder than um, some of the guys I've coached. So this is not the um, 18, 1700s, early 1900s. Women deserve exactly what they, what they um, bust their tail for. But it's going to, in this, in this element, it comes down to um, revenue. And until the revenue goes up, the salaries are going to um, not increase as much as one would um, like for them to go up. Man, y'all boys brought up some great points. I think the revenue point is something that a lot of people didn't speak of because in all the tweets I think I read, um, I believe no one brought up that point of the actual, they brought up the point of the percentage of the revenue, but nobody actually brought up, you got to raise the revenue um, to be able to take a bigger, to be able to get that cut of that money that you want to see um now um that's our current events section for the day um once again like i said we'll be bringing that to you every week um good stuff fellas and last thing on that i completely 100 percent think it's like coach daly said about asia wilson it's unbelievable that she spoke up on it and it takes yeah. people like her where she's already proven in this short season She's been in the WNBA. She's already proven that she's a star. So now that her the stars are speaking up on it, I think they will get that revenue split. But again, like we talked about, it was still even when they get the even revenue split that the guys get, their pay will be a fraction. And like Coach Daly said, the females are they deserve to get paid everything that they get paid, and they they is not the 1870s. I completely agree. They should get fair wages, but it comes down to the revenue split. And it's not that's that's how democracy works. It's not just being if you are a hard worker, you get paid paid a lot because I'm gonna tell you right now, you coach English and you coach daily should be getting paid more than 80% of the college coaches, because I know 100 percent you work harder than them, but that's the that's the that's democracy right there. So it is what it is. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and, and you know, sometimes you get paid for what you do. And I I I feel like you know, if those ladies, like you said, Josh, if they they might have to lock out, they might have to. And I'm I'm sorry, Micah, you said that you know the, the player reps reps are 
they might need to step up. And this might be the straw that broke the camel's back. They might step up and say, hey, look, man, we need to have this lockout season where, like, yo, we not coming unless we, we get a better cut of the revenue. And, I mean, we got to figure out a way to raise the revenue, right? Like, how are we going to get people in the stands? Um, but uh, – Well, but to go, to go against your point, you said sometimes you get paid for what you what you do. I'm going to play devil's advocate. And a lot of times in this world, you don't get paid for what you do. Because we as high school coaches and high school <laughs> teachers, I, I firmly believe – our position is the most important position in this country, and we don't get paid for what we do. We, we don't get paid for what we do. So that's just the world that we live in, and and we've accepted it. We know we're not going to get rich, but we're still going to give every ounce of our energy into making this world and making these kids that we work with a better people. Yeah, yeah you're right. About- you're right. You're right. And it comes down to like like we all like we said like you said, Michael, like I piggybacked off you, you know, revenue production. You know, I don't think I, I, I don't think the, the women from the WNBA need to do a lockout because it's not financial financially feasible because they they don't have a whole lot to stand on if they aren't producing yeah. that revenue. You know? Okay, I, I agree that. And I don't I want them that. and I don't want them to do that. I do want their salaries to go up. I think they're freaking phenomenal. I love the way they play. Um it, I, I, that's why I'm still involved on the women's side because it's just a pureness to the game, you know, as far as, as far as skill set, as far as different types of um, discipline. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to butts in the seats and TV deals. That's it. It, co- it, it comes down to that. And once that, once that takes a, takes a, um, um, a spike in the right direction, as far as, as once that goes up, we're we're fine. We're we're fine, but we need to go ahead and move on. We got um. Yeah, let's segue into what you was talking about just now, Josh, and let's uh and let's touch on that, and then we'll get into uh, Micah's topic. What is the new ruling that the NCAA is? Uh, maybe you could bring some light to that. That the NCAA is proposing uh, to pass on travel basketball. Okay, so right now, um, ultimately, we're going to get some guys, some guests on the show that specialize in this and talk about this more. We're not going to get too in detail, but right now, it's a proposal out. Um, I don't think it's technically been passed yet that the NCAA is looking to get rid of the July live period. Well, what they're they're, um, proposing is that they're going to get rid of the July live period and they're going to come up with regional events basically held by the NCAA. And they're trying to do like four different regions throughout the country. How you get invited is through um, recommendation through the college coaches that are recruiting you. And it should open it up to about two to 3,000 kids. In essence, you might say, okay, that's good. Because only the kids that are getting recruited will go to these events. But if you really understand travel basketball and how kids get scholarships, that's going to create an element that will hurt a whole lot of kids, in my opinion. And it's also going to create an element where different types of schools are going to be able to dominate the high school basketball scene all over again. Um, Because if, 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 I have a school and you can come work on your game year round and and we have a shoe comedy because the shoe companies are going to figure out something to do with that money. They're still going to um, put that money into grassroots basketball. So it's not going to stop. I'm not going to get into too much heavy detail because um, like I said, we want to get some specialists on it to really talk about it. But right now the proposal, which frightens me is get rid of, I'm not certain if they're talking about get rid of the spring period, but I know they're proposing to get rid of the July live period and come up with these regional events. And it's not just going to, it's not just going to put high school kids in a bind. It's actually going to put some college coaches in a bind because your mid majors and your low mid majors, as far as your low majors, as far as D one, your division twos, like it's going to, it's going to like cause a ripple effect where, you know, maybe they're going to have to start really focusing on junior college players even more than they already do. So, I think that I think the NCAA needs to really 
thank this one all the way out. And I know this is a, I know this is a response to what just happened with the FBI probe, the shoe deals, because it is a lot of shady and shaky people in grassroots basketball that should not be there. That's hurting the game. Okay, I, I will. I have the guts to say that, but we have to make sure we are at, we are adjusting, admonishing, and and fixing this situation um, as efficiently as possible. Where the one people that is that that is for the children don't catch the burners on the backside. Yeah, well, and like you said, we're gonna get some um, some experts on, um, and I don't know all the logistics on that. But I mean, I think there needs to be one legit governing body on youth basketball, summer basketball, like a say, like a USA basketball that is a nonprofit organization that doesn't have affiliations with the shoe companies, doesn't have affiliations with the high schools. I think uh, I think there needs to be one legit governing body that those are the only sanctioned events that college coaches can come to still can have as many teams as they want, but they all need to be sanctioned and under that one governing body. And instead of having all these, all these, I mean, there's so many youth basketball uh, tournaments uh, that are not even really sanctioned by the AAU. There's a bunch of different organizations. So, I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but I think it all needs to be under one umbrella. And so there's really one, one organization that's that's overseeing it and and from and and i'm gonna give my two cents on this um i'm not sure how much i i think that this is actually going to help the situation because i think it handcuffs the kids and it hurts the kids more than anything else um that's me uh, my own personal opinion i spoke with somebody from a shoe team from a shoe deal team and the response to it was, well, if the team, cause I asked him, I said, well, how is the new proposal going to hurt you? And he was like, well, he said, if, you know, we do things the right way anyway, so it really doesn't hurt us. And I think that that's a little bit of it. Like, I think if you're doing it the right way, I don't know if it, it, it hurts you, but I, I do believe that by shortening everything in July and funneling kids to certain camps and this, that, and the third, and all the stuff that I read in the article, I think it just really handcuffs the kids a good bit because unless like it really like, unless you're a major name, you're kind of hurt by it. And I think a lot of kids have an opportunity to make a name for themselves in these live periods that they normally would not make for themselves. So, I mean, I, 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 I guess we kind of got to wait, uh, uh, and I think we could get more in depth in it once we get those um, those guys that are, are, are experts in the area on. I know Josh, you're well versed in it. I'm well versed as well. But I think it would do us well to hear some other voices on it, um, and especially our listeners to hear other opinions and, and uh, 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 on the situation. Um, but I mean, I, I, I do feel like it's a little restrictive and it doesn't help the kids that don't know. I mean, I'm sorry, the kids that don't have a name. It's OK for the kids that do, but it doesn't really help the kids that don't. You know, how do I how do I build uh, my, my name up? Um, because a lot of them do it on these circuits, uh, on these sub circuits and stuff like that. And according to the article I read, if I'm not mistaken, it was almost like. You know, the kids have to be invited by college coaches to particular camps. And then that's how they're seen at these camps. You know, and, and that's just to a certain degree unrealistic to think that that's going to be enough to make it happen for a kid that's not, that's under the radar. Well, it's some perks. Like I said, that's why we're going to get to specials. I know a little bit more than what I'm saying, but I don't want to get too much in detail until the actual ruling comes out. But there are going to be some more perks perks to it like different college coaches are going to be able to go to different uh, other college coaches team camps so say like how university of Carolina does a team camp other college coaches are going to be able to come watch their team camp okay because it's a controlled environment 
and college coaches are expected to know to do things by the rule and do things the right way. So that eliminates a lot of the middlemen because the college coaches can come see those kids in a, an environment right away. If high schools do different shootouts and stuff and, 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 and the proper sanctions are followed, college coaches can come see those events. So it's not, it's, it's, I, I want them to do it the right way because I do think that like coach, like coach Kirk said, like Micah said, the system needs to be fixed because there's too much janky stuff going on where these mom and pop tournaments are going on and it's not benefiting anybody, but somebody else's pocket and it's not benefiting the kid. Um, but so there are things that are going to some of the pressure is going to be released as far as some of the rules where if you can go watch different team camps of a college coach, you you should be able to see some of these no name kids, you know, if you're busting your tail and grinding. But then that also gets back to some of the restrictions on the smaller schools who can't afford to travel all over the place with different team camps. So it ha- it, it's some it's some goods it's some bads. But whenever you're trying to fix a system. You're going. It's it's going to it's you're going to have to you're going to lift up that rock and you're going to see those bugs and little critters you don't want to see that you're going to have to deal with in order to move forward when you're trying to um clean house. But it's just it's just something that, that's going to eventually um it's going to come. I don't know if it's going to be to that extent, but the the proposals out there and I believe it has enough steam where it's going to get approved. And then we have to figure out what we need to do to go from there. But it's going to be some people that's hurt from it. It's going to be some people that's benefit that that it benefits. But it's going it's going to come because, like you know, the twenty twenty class, the, the the one and done rule is probably going to be gone for them. You know, the NBA. Yeah, you know, good. you know. So all of this falls up under that umbrella. All of this falls up under that umbrella because I think what we're trying to they're trying to do is figure out a way to fix the problem where the kid is going to not be hurt because if you got a kid that's probably going to be a surefire lottery pick in high school and you don't want the same thing to happen to LeBron to happen to another kid where they have to sit out of high school because they feel they took a benefit where that kid wasn't going to college anyway you know so it's 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 a lot that has to be fixed. It's a lot like the NBA hit on it the other day that they were thinking of when the commissioner said, Hey, you know, we're thinking about, you know, modifying the, 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 the one and done rule and all that, because I do think it's going, I I'm almost certain that's going to be gone, but all of that is all of it falls up under this umbrella. So on the, um, on our show, we're going to be safe and not get into it too detailed until we get all of the facts out. I agree. I agree. I agree now. Um, I agree. So, and go ahead. And like you said, like there's a lot that needs to be fixed with the NCAA with these with these with these athletes. And I don't think we're gonna hit it on it. We're out of time on this show. But there's a lot that needs to be fixed with the NCAA on giving high school coaches chances to move on and coach in in the NCAA. So, and that, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be fixed in the NCAA for sure. Yeah, that brings us to your topic, Micah. Bring up, uh, talk about do Coach. We wanna, uh, do we want to hit on that today? Yeah, let's go ahead and hit it, man. I mean, we got enough time. Um, let's talk about Coach over there, uh, out over in, uh, what's his name? Uh, coach Russ, uh, Rush Prost. Um, and yeah. he's talking about bylaw 11.4.4 that was adopted in April 2017. Talk about that. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I mean, the rule that the NCA has in place, I mean, and this is this talks about uh, it's talks about football, but it's also in place for basketball as well, that during a two year period before a prospective student athletes anticipated enrollment and a two year period after that pros- prospective student athletes actual enrollment, an institution shall not employ an individual associated with the prospective student athlete in any athletics department, non-coaching staff position, or strength and conditioning position. So that directly affects me, but it also affects all of you as well, where if I'm working with a athlete and I, and I, I feel that I'm one of the best strength coaches in the business, and one of my kids at my high school 
it goes and signs with this college just because he signs with that college that makes me ineligible to be employed by that college as a strength coach. And then as you guys, you could be hired as a third assistant, second assistant, first assistant, but you could not be hired as a director of basketball ops position, which is 90% of the positions that you will be considered for because there's that stigma of, hey, you can't be a second assistant. You can't be a first assistant because you don't have that college experience. So basically, this this bylaw hampers high school coaches, that successful high school coaches that work with college college level athletes. This inhibits us from getting if we if we want to move on in our profession and move up to the next level and be college coaches. This inhibits us and our job opportunities to get hired at the next level because of this bylaw that it thinks that colleges are going to hire you just because of your connection with that athlete. And we as high school coaches know how difficult it is to get a job at the next level. And it's even more, it's already extremely difficult because like me and coach Daly have talked about a lot where just college coaches are just looking to recycle old and old and fired and out of out of job college coaches and they just keep rehiring and recycling the same coaches that have been in the system. So it's already difficult for us high school coaches to get into that system and get a college job. There's our, there's that knock on us, hey, you don't have the college experience which I think is BS, but then there's also those college coaches that are just recycling old college coaches. But now there's another law that if you have a athlete that is going to play college athletics and he signs with, say, say I'm working with an athlete and he signed with the University of South Carolina, now by NCAA bylaws, I cannot be hired by that by University of South Carolina for two years after he enrolls at the school, which makes, if they need to make that bylaw because they think that coaches are just hiring other coaches because of their players, of shady stuff like that, and those coaches that are in the hiring positions, that's what needs to be looked at if they think that's the reason those coaches are be hiring. Because the reason you should have a coach, the reason that you should be hiring a coach is because he's doing everything in his interest to make you the most successful program and most successful for your institution. So the NCAA has to put that bylaw in because they're trying to monitor their coaches from hiring coaches out of malpractice. I mean, now it opens up a whole nother can of worms and we need to look at a lot of other stuff. But... I mean, I think that's ridiculous. And to go to the article, Coach Probst, who is a very, very, very successful high school football coach, um, he's talking about suing. He works with – he has seven, eight, nine, ten Division One college football players in his program every year. And by all of his assistants working with those guys, it inhibits them from moving on to the next level, if that's their career choice, it, it inhibits them from working with a lot of colleges because they're sending those athletes to those colleges, which I think that's extremely discriminatory to the high school coach, especially to the successful high school coach that's working with athletes and getting them to the next level. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It's, it's discriminatory, and and as and I, and I and I told some players one day, and I want somebody to coach my son like this. Every high school coach that coaches a kid should be trying to get to the next level, or even if you feel you don't want to go to that level, you should pursue it like you are. Meaning, you're trying to get better every day. You're trying. You're trying to increase. 
Now, we already go through enough with college coaches thinking, like you said, Michael, that we can't coach at that level, which I think is completely bogus because if you know anything about recruiting, it's based off of relationships. And no one knows how to build relationships better than – and I'm not saying all high school coaches are great and ready for college. Just like there are slack college coaches, there are slack high school coaches. But no one is better at building relationships than a high school teacher and a high school coach. No one. It's, that's what our profession is based off of. That's what our livelihood is based off of. For the most part, for some instances, that's what our safety is based off of. Okay? So we, no one knows how to build relationships better than us. College coaches, you need to take heed to that. Okay? Now, with that being said, we already have to fight that stigma that, oh, he's a high school guy. Okay, have a conversation with me. I bet you you can't out-talk me in X's and O's, and you definitely can't out-talk me as far as what it takes to build a successful college program. But now we have to fight off basically rules that in, in litigation by the NCAA, which is the law, that we can't get hired now if our kid is being recruited by that particular school, which is nuts. We, that is our number one job. Right. One of our number goals is to get our kids to the next right. level. So and you're getting your next level, and that's inhibiting you from advancing in your career. And which is ultimately bogus because if us if if certain schools are recruiting our kid, who do you think we're going to be building those relationships with? The people that are recruiting our kids, because we're going to have contact with them. So you're going to build relationships with them. You're going to um, be able to call them outside of just basketball because you build relationships. So now we're penalized because we're good at what we do. We're penalized because we're creating kids that can get to the next level. That rule makes no sense. That's like telling an engineer, a, a, a computer engineer, that, well, because Microsoft likes the people you taught and they're going to hire, they're going to hire them, they can't hire you as a supervisor. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. That is really going against the American dream, which is allowing people to pursue their goals legally from every angle. Now, I get it. You might be saying that, hey, well, you're only hiring that person because you want their kid. I get it. But it goes back to what you said, Micah. Check those people. Don't penalize everyone because of the bad people. It makes no sense. It makes no sense because you're not going to give, you're not going to, you're not going to, police shouldn't be on high alarm to give everyone a ticket because they catch somebody speed. So that don't mean you should assume everybody else is going to be speeding because, or doing the wrong thing because you caught somebody else speeding. Penalize that person and let the other people who do it the right way continue to pursue their dreams and pursue their goals. But it's just I, I, I don't agree with that rule at all. I'm sorry. I mean that's uh, I mean this is this is this is America. This is a democracy. If you're good at what you do, you're you're supposed to have every advantage to be able to to be able to continue to climb in your career. And that rule is basically goes against all all rules of democracy in that whereas if you're successful and you have a lot of college, you're one of your main goals as a high school coach is to get your athletes to the next level. So if you're successful now at doing that, that's going to inhibit you from going to the next level, which goes against all rules of, of democracy. And again, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it makes no sense, man. It makes no sense. And 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 I just feel like, in that, like you said, Mike, I agree with you. If if the the modicum of the or, or the mantra of the United States is, you know, uh, uh, the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of, you know, whatever it is that that you got to do for this life that you're trying to build for your family, why is it that people are putting constraints on what we can do to better our life? Now, like you said, Josh, if it's a situation where I'm giving you a job to get your kid, yeah, I understand policing that. But if I have proven that I can do the job just as coach in this article, apparently I think the head coach at Tennessee, if I remember correctly, it was, was his defensive coordinator who is trying to hire him on. 
but because he has multiple D1 prospects over the next three years, he can't take a chance on hiring him because then that would lessen his chances of getting those kids from that school. And I just feel like that's, it's almost like a, what, what is it called? Cut your nose and spite your face type of deal. You know, you're, I want to hire this guy because he's good at what he does. But if I hire him, I lose out on these kids. And it's almost like, which one am I going to weigh? Which one am I going to do? I'm putting, I'm not allowing someone to pursue their particular happiness as far as the ability to provide for their family. Yeah, it makes, it makes no sense. And I know we got to bring this show to a close, but that's, that's one rule I'm never going to agree with, which ultimately actually it makes things actually that's, illegal because it creates a monopoly and it only allows a certain group of people to continue to be college coaches. It's all well, I mean, it comes down it comes down to this. Like if you have to put that rule in, that bylaw in to police the head coaches because you think they're hiring these coaches just because of the players and not to make their program better and not I mean I don't know not high character, not qualified guys. If those are your guys that are at your top level, that are at your highest leadership positions, those head coaches, and you have to put a rule in to police them because you don't trust them, then maybe you need to rethink this whole structure that those guys should not be in the leadership position, in my opinion. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. I is that's like I said, police the ones that need to be policed. Don't penalize everyone that's trying to pursue their goals. And ultimately, I would want I want my son's coaches to want to always move up to the next level, whether it's middle school to high, high to college, college to pros. I want people climbing and pushing because that's who I want leading my sons. But we're gonna bring this to a close, Coach E. We're going to let you um, start with the shout outs and then we'll go from there, Papa. Um, well, first, shout out once again, all the kids on the live period. Uh, make sure that you are doing the best you can uh, uh, to play as hard as you can in front of those college coaches um, because they are out there. Um, so continue to, to, to play as hard as you can. Um, I want to give a shout out to a young lady. Uh uh, six foot one, eighth grade Ashlyn Watkins, who is athletic as hell from Cardinal Newman. Uh, she has been setting the AAU world on fire with her dunking. Um, uh, uh, that kind of came. One of our one of our dedicated listeners, uh, Kim. <laughs> she said, "Man, Coach, I hope that you guys." She uh, she tweeted at us on the show. I hope you guys cover Ashlyn Watkins. Uh, and I said, well, you know, we'll make sure that we do so. Um, she's been, uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to go on YouTube, check out the girl can ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ashlyn, to piggyback on that, me and Ashlyn had a conversation. If you ever listened to this show, Ash, remember what me and you talked about and stick to it and watch what happens, baby. Go ahead, coach. I'm sorry. No, nah, you good. You good. You good. Um, uh, uh, beyond that, I want to give a shout out to my kids. Um, I had all of my kids down in Orlando for AAU national, uh, AAU international tournament, had a great time. Um, um, uh, shout out to my players. Um, and shoot beyond that, shoot Josh, what you got? Man, um, as always to piggyback on what you said, just like you, you, you young men and young ladies on this live period, this is the mindset you need to have. The coaches owe you nothing. Okay, you're literally applying for a job. You're applying for a scholarship. Show that coach why they not only should want you, but why they need someone like you in your pro in their program. Because it's a privilege and an honor to be able to compete. Most people in the world aren't able or or, or, or don't have the means to compete. Take advantage of it. If you want to go to school for free, you want to continue to chase your dream and and and, and play your and, and play your passions, play your passion in college. Show those coaches why. And it starts with a few simple things. Effort, attitude, and mindset. Okay? Be the hardest worker, 
have the greatest attitude, and have a mind, a next play mindset. If things don't go your way, next play. If you didn't make that shot, next play. If you made a great play, next play. And just keep that mindset, and I think you'll be fine. Um, Mike, go ahead and get your shout-outs, Papa. Yeah, I mean, real quick, uh, one shout-out is to one of my childhood heroes. You know I'm from Buffalo, New York. Um, Jim Kelly, the former quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, was one of my heroes growing up. He just received the Jimmy V Award last night on the ESPYs. And his speech, if you did not see it, is definitely worth Googling and checking out. And one of his quotes was, make a difference today for someone who is fighting for their tomorrow. Every single person, no matter what your profession, can be a difference maker. Make a difference today for someone who is fighting for for their tomorrow. And, I mean, that just hit home with me where you never know what, what somebody's going through and just simply making them feel good and making them smile can go a long way. So um, his quote, I mean, he inspired me with his, with his speech last night. And uh, if you don't know the story of Jim Kelly and what he's gone through in the last five years or whatever with his, with his cancer, I mean, he's inspiring for sure. So shout out to Jim Kelly. And then last shout out to you guys. I mean, it's awesome to hear your voices. It's been a minute. Um, and I'm I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you guys and miss you guys and awesome to see what the big things that you guys have been doing in South Carolina this summer for sure. Amen, amen. Miss you too, Coach. And um, Coach E, take us out, Papa. Well, if you want to join the conversation, don't hesitate to email us at the Staley and English Show at gmail.com. That's the Staley A N B. English show at gmail.com. You could tweet us at the Stalian English show. You can hit us up on Instagram at the Stalian English show. Um, if it's a way on social media to get at us, all you have to do is type in the Stalian English show. Um, once again, as always, as always, as we have brought you for about nine months now, keep God first. Everything else will follow. Peace. Peace. Alright y'all, appreciate. 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 Alright y'all, appreciate.